0: Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Cump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Now, Dr. Scripture, you've just returned from some meetings at a camp way up in northern Mm -hmm. Minnesota, and apparently you had a great time. Oh, I sure did. One
1: of the reasons was because my wife got to go with me. Oh, great. And it was called Storybook Lodge Christian Camp and like you said, it's way up in northern Minnesota. If anybody's interested in seeing a beautiful picture of the lake that I took at sunrise, just go on my Facebook page, and you'll see why it was such a great place. <laughs> and uh, I did meetings at a family camp, and actually was talking about First Samuel, so I wasn't doing meetings on creation, mm. which also is sort of a nice break for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, even though that wasn't why you were there, you said one of the things you enjoyed doing was talking about creation with a lot of people around the the camp.
1: Oh, that's right. You know, between meetings and so forth, it's always fun to discuss things. And of course, creation comes up quite a bit in our conversations. <laughs> and one of the conversations that I had gave me an idea for our program today. She's a student at the University of Minnesota. Her name is Katie. And she's a major in biochemistry, which is really near oh, and dear to my heart. Sounds you know? familiar. <laughs> yeah. And she was talking about how she was discouraged because more than one of her professors criticized creation and actually said that discussions even about creation or intelligent design were actually harmful to the education process and basically were just a waste of time. And it was discouraging to her because she actually wanted to ask some questions. And here they're saying that what she's talking about is a waste <laughs> of time. You know? so how that's dare a good you ask to-
0: questions? We're trying to give you an education. Right,
1: exactly. <laughs> you know, that's quite a stifler of questions, isn't it? So anyway, I told her, you know, frankly, that's a pretty standard approach mm. amongst evolutionists. And of course, it doesn't answer any legitimate questions a person might have to just criticize it and say it's counterproductive to ask those questions. It doesn't answer questions about evolutionary claims. Or even let a person discuss alternate explanations from the perspective of creation or even less threatening, you might say, intelligent design. And so after I talked with her about those things, we had some really good discussion. I got to thinking about how common this strategy of dismissing criticism of evolution as just stupid or even harmful is in academia now. And then I remembered how well the movie Expelled documented this fact.
0: Yeah, that movie, Expelled, I saw it in the theaters. Whenever it was it came out, it featured and was produced by Ben Stein, Mm -hmm. and so it was creative yet informative. One of the things I remember about it, it didn't talk so much about presenting evidence to defend intelligent design, but more talked about, I guess, the prejudice or the blackballing that happens against intelligent design.
1: Right. He did a fantastic job of exposing the kind of censorship within the media, within academia, Mm. of anything contrary to the theory of evolution. And so what I thought I'd do is actually watch the movie again and take some notes and write down, actually transcribe some quotes that were given by the different evolutionists, as well as some of those that have been blackballed. And we talk about this whole issue of how, right now anyway, within academia especially, If you try to talk about intelligent design or creation, you're basically just shut up. They Mm. just say, be quiet. It's counterproductive to even discuss these things. And the strategy then is that they don't have to defend evolution. They just say, this has all been done already, and so we don't have to try and defend ourselves any longer. It's all accepted by everyone. So the movie begins with the story of a man named Richard von Sternberg who was the editor of a journal published by the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History. And one month, he included an article that was written by Stephen Meyer, a well-known intelligent design proponent. And in the article, Meyer simply raised some questions about the ability of natural selection to accomplish all it is credited with in Darwin's theory of evolution. And a virtual firestorm resulted. And in the end, Sternberg actually lost his job with the Smithsonian, simply because he allowed the publication of this article by Meyer. And so in his interview with Ben Stein, he said this about what had happened. Quote, the chairman of the department he worked in said he was viewed as an intellectual terrorist because of giving the topic of intelligent design some modicum of credibility. Now, that's because he published an article where Meyer mentions it sort of at the end of the article. This gives intelligent design, according to his chairman, a modicum of credibility. And ultimately, he lost his job over that. Then, another person ridiculed by evolutionists was Dr. Michael Egner. And this is another person that Ben Stein interviewed. Egner is an MD, and he got his degree from Columbia University. He's a neurosurgeon and a professor the State University of New York at Stony Brook. And what he had done was he wrote an essay saying that medical students didn't need to study evolution in order to practice medicine. Well, the evolutionists basically went berserk. (laughs) They stirred people up to call the university and suggest that it was time for Dr. Egner to retire. And in his discussion with Ben Stein about it, he said this, quote, he realized that when he went public with his doubts about the adequacy of Darwin's theory, he would encounter criticism. What amazed him was the viciousness and the baseness of it, unquote. And this is something that was obvious as you even watch this interview, The surprise on his face, as well as the surprise from several of the different people Mm. who have been basically persecuted had. I mean, they think that they're just being academically free (laughs) and wanting to discuss some things, and they just get ripped. And they lose their jobs. They lose funding. They lose all kinds of prestige within the academic community because these evolutionist activists, is the best way to describe them, just tear into them. One of those people that were really surprised at the response that he got because he espoused intelligent design was Dr. Guillermo Gonzalez. He has a Ph.D. in astronomy from the University of Washington, and at the time, he was assistant professor of astronomy at Iowa State University. He's one who actually discovered several planets. Oh, really? And this was a big thrust. Well, of course, it still is, but it was a huge discovery on his part. But that wasn't enough for him (laughs) to get tenure at the Iowa State University. He was a proponent of intelligent design. And as a result of that, several faculty members at Iowa State University did whatever was necessary to prevent Gonzales from getting tenure. In other words, he was dismissed. You know, if you're an associate professor, an assistant professor for a period of time, and you don't get tenure, well, then you have to move on. You're not going to hang around there. You can't stay. These were just a few examples of how seriously the evolutionary activists take any threat to evolution. A threat being essentially questioning in any fashion evolution. Or natural selection.
0: Sounds like they're not very secure in their own ideas.
1: Well, that's generally how we interpret that kind of reaction, right? And so these are three examples that I took from Ben Stein's movie, and there were a few more, but someone might think, you know, he had the resources to scour the entire country to find these few examples, and you know these kinds of things can happen on some rare occasion. After all, there are thousands and thousands of universities and scientific institutions, but surely these were just a couple of isolated incidents that Ben Stein managed to dig up. But I would suggest that, frankly, this is just the tip of the iceberg. It's basically the norm in American academia. So let me share one of my own quote-unquote expelled experiences in support of this. This happened to me back when I was a graduate student at Notre Dame, so we're talking about the late 90s. But I was on a radio program with a man named Jan Michelson on WHO radio. It's a Mm. clear channel station in Iowa, and it covers all over the Midwest. And he has, or had, a very popular interview program. And I was his guest one time, and we were talking about creation and evolution, and different people are calling in. Mm. And this one person calls in, and we go around and around and around on creation evolution. And in the end, we agree to disagree, and I didn't give it much more thought. Well, then when I get back to school, Jan Michelson calls me back and he says, you remember this particular person that you talked with? And I said, yeah, yeah. And he said, well, that guy called Notre Dame and he found out that you weren't a student at Notre Dame. And Jan Michelson didn't really know me personally. So now he's thinking that I was an imposter. I said, <laughs> well, Jan, yeah, believe me, I'm a graduate student at Notre Dame. I don't know who he may have talked to, this caller, to get that information. But rest assured, I'm a graduate student at Notre Dame and everything's fine. Well, then I got to thinking, that's really strange. You know, Here this person goes so far as to call up Notre Dame, to check into my background and all this. And then shortly after that, I get a letter from the chairman of the Department of Biology as a result of this phone call hmm. that this person had made. And because of what that caller said... The chairman was all upset with me, and I'll just read a little bit from the letter that he wrote to me. says, Mr. Scripture, your personal views are your own business, but you do this university, your department, your advisor, and the Catholic Church great harm when you publicly espouse these personal views as a representative of Notre Dame. At the very least, you should make it perfectly clear that your views are not those of your advisor, your department, Notre Dame, or the Catholic Church, and that you were not taught these creationist views here at Notre Dame. In addition, I insist that you make it clear that you are not a student of the Department of Biological Sciences stop right there for a moment. Well, of course, I made it very, very clear, one, that I was a student in the chemistry department and these were not Notre Dame's views or anything like that. But the caller that talked to the chairman of the biology department twisted what Mm -hmm. I said to make his point. And we see that this is what they do all the time. They'll either twist and sometimes flat out, I'm sorry to say it, but they lie about the things that others say. So anyway, let me go on to read from the letter that the chairman sent me. The reputation of the life sciences, both biological sciences and biochemistry at Notre Dame have been severely damaged by your public pronouncements. There are all too many individuals out there who believe that all church-related universities, Notre Dame included, are third-rate biological institutions because we teach creationist and anti-evolution theories. As you well know, this is not true. Therefore, if you make similar public appearances in the future, I trust that you will make it clear that Notre Dame was not the source and did nothing to nurture your views (laughs) on evolution. Well, of course, I make it clear Notre Dame didn't teach me creationism, and uh, they're fully engaged, at least in the biological department and science departments in evolution. So notice all these statements talking about creation supposedly damaged (laughs) Notre Dame, even the Catholic Church, for goodness (laughs) sake. (laughs)
0: And this uh, head of this department didn't even bother to check out if this guy's claims were true.
1: Right. But I contacted him immediately to tell him really what I had said and find out who the person was that called him and checked into all this. And so here is my own personal example of just how strongly an academic institution, even a religious one like Notre Dame, will respond to any idea that intelligent design or creation, you know, is taught in their school or or even given any credence. But like I said, this happened in the late 90s. And maybe some people might think, well, now the evolutionary community has gotten over that kind of thing. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, I would say that the kind of censorship that Ben Stein was talking about has even increased Mm. in the current day. But we're not going to have any time to go further with this discussion. So I've got a lot more to say about this. I hope the listeners' interest will be piqued. And so you're going to have to listen next week to another experience that I had related to this issue. And so, to conclude today's program, perhaps a statement that would describe what I consider to be a very, very weak argument by the evolutionists, Romans 1 reminds us that they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And that's not what I say. That's what scripture says.